Well, Clitorati, it finally happened. I am married. This is Lindsay, by the way. We all know Madison and Katie are already married. Um, and we have a very special... So do you guys, everyone knows you guys are already married. Old news. It's just old, old news. news. You're just old brush. I am. I'm, you know what, Madison? I'm the youngest bride in bride years. <laughs> you are. For those so, who haven't been listening to the podcast for years, she's constantly schooling us on how much younger she is. But we're creeping <laughs> up on 30, bitch. And we have a very special guest in the studio. My husband. Say hello, baby. Hi. Thank you for the introduction. My wife. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening, you've got to check this one out on YouTube because I'm wearing my actual veil. Mm-hmm. And I'm there when you bought it. You were there when I bought it. And okay. I was not. She was not, obviously. <laughs> I have a funny story about this veil that we can start off with. We got married in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For anyone who doesn't know, which is probably all of you. And I get to Chattanooga. Our flight was long. It's all the way on the other side of the country. I lay in bed and I realize I have forgotten my veil. No shit. Mm -hmm. My husband says, we can just buy a new one on Amazon. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I said, babe, this shit is lined with pearls and sparrowski crystals. We are not buying one on Amazon. And I realize we don't have anyone who has keys to our house. So my very good friend, Madison here, I had to overnight her my keys. She hadn't come out for the wedding yet. So she went into my house and brought the veil and saved. Wow. <laughs> and we do have a Patreon episode. So if you want to hear all of the behind the scenes stories of our wedding, and all the mishaps that happen. We might sprinkle in a few anecdotes in this episode, but if you want the full behind the scenes. Full story. The the unscripted, I won't say it on the national podcast, but I will say it on Patreon. You can go to our Patreon and hear the full, the real true story of the wedding. There was was some twists and turns for sure. We've learned we have to censor ourselves at least a little bit on the show. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. What am I talking about? And if you are one of the main themes of your love story and of the mission of this podcast is the idea that we can 10x areas of our life when we lead with pleasure. When we put pleasure first and design our life around that, we can 10x those areas. So if you're someone out there who's, oh, damn, that sounds real good. What? You can DM us or email us the word 10x and we'll get back to you. As anyone who has listened to the podcast since the beginning, they know my journey throughout, God, the last almost eight years, right? When I started this podcast, I was in a relationship, I was a stepmom in a relationship with a totally different human being. And my journey of self-worth and being very clear, having the clarity and really getting clear on what my values were. You can hear that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I got married at 38 years old. To some people, that's really old. To other people, that's not. And so one of the biggest things I got from this and what inspired this episode is self-imposed timelines or timelines that we feel pressure, maybe as female identifying humans, pressure for your biological clock, if you want to be a mother or pressure from society. And I wanted 
to outline this episode really starting from for anyone who's calling in a partner and really having an open conversation with T.D. Madison and my husband, how I got to that journey, what you're looking for in a life partner, the engagement period. I think that Disney has fucked up us us a lot and in people's Instagram lives. Now, if you look at the pictures on Mm. my Instagram, it looks like the perfect wedding and the perfect, happy, beautiful couple. And I think that it's really important to have open, honest conversations, whether someone's in a marriage right now or they're engaged or they're calling in their life partner to dismantle and remove shame from marriage is a lot of fucking work and it takes work to make any long-term relationship work. And I really wanted to, on our relationship, bring my husband in on this. We are very happily newlyweds and we wanted to honor it in a way that aligns with the podcast. It's disrupting this. Instagram illusion, I would say, mm-hmm. around absolutely. relationships, weddings. And I will say our wedding was absolutely incredible. Oh, picture perfect. It was yeah. so magical and so special. And this is great. This is so one of my things I remember talking to both of you about when you were like, we're engaged. I'm like, oh, great. Congratulations. Now, welcome to the, the real work. <laughs> I was like, and you were like, wait, what? Yeah. Everything's mm-hmm. going to get upset. It's for you to iron out and really align yourselves for marriage because the it's really actually wild what we do as human beings we're these individuals and then we fall for another individual and then basically try to be two individuals and that doesn't work you become there's a third entity yeah. that's getting just like it's like there's like this energetic womb of this third entity that's like forming and growing and building from yep. your you know the the individuality. And I think that if people resist changing or that and don't want to still want to be the individual, then shit, you're going to be in a relationship, <laughs> not right. a relationship. And, and then yeah. normalizing that is so important because it's, yeah, Disney did take this picture of like happily ever after. And then what? They never say what that, what there's nothing. Yeah, you find your prince and then anything is <laughs> figured out. Everything Hell no, that's when the after. real Disney that's movie starts. That's exactly. the beginning. And I just want to pass it off, Ryan. Mr. Marsh, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah. So what I found myself doing in the discovery of um, becoming a husband and uh, really took it on as a responsibility was changing my identity from this sort of isolationist pillar of strong alone into becoming a much more fragile in isolation, I would say, a container. So without the partnership, I'm now a much more fragile human being, but with the partnership, I'm stronger than ever. I had to rebuild myself and my priorities and how I think and how I feel and like just all of it. I don't know, from the ground up. It's really funny. I had this moment. So we're in the process of buying a new car because someone hit me and my car showed up. We're both physically fine. And there was a moment where Ryan we were talking about, he said, we should probably put the loan under my name since a lot of the wedding loans were in your name, and that kind of stuff. And I had this moment of, oh, and then, oh, wait, he's my husband. What's, what's ours is ours now. And it was just, I operating as like a solo person for so many years and taking care of yourself and then merging is a wild experience. <laughs> mm. It and really so- is. And I love everything that you're saying because there's different seasons of relationships. Like you're newlyweds. You're just off of being fiancés. It's such a, I don't know, height, heightened time. I'm 
10 years into my marriage and 15 years into my relationship with two kids. So I feel like I've done a lot of different, there's been a lot of different seasons of marriage leading, like we had a garden, but we can keep a garden alive. Maybe we can start talking about having kids. Wow. That was totally. one of the first things we we're did. Gonna a, we're going to get a fish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, let's keep something else alive first. That's good. That's good. You know, but that was and kind of entering a new season for us in our marriage, just thinking about that. I love that. I love the season. So let's, I want to start us off by going into a specific season and really talking about choosing a life partner. And really, I think that the importance of compatibility shared values, common goals. And I really want to talk about what were the things, how did the two of you choose? And Ryan as well, what do you think is important in looking for a life partner in reality and not the Instagram illusion? Yeah. Over the course of my seven-year marriage, who my partner is is becoming for me is expanding as we enter this now going into our second decade and being in a relationship together because we're coming on year 10 of being together. Like in the beginning, I was really looking for someone who had their shit together. Mm. I really consistent job, was proud of what they do, was proud of the work they did intellectually, right? Like stimulating, like having great conversations, shared values, like where do you see your life going? What do you believe in? Like political views even. Really just seeing, yeah, could we build a future together? Is there enough alignment? Is there enough shared desires and values to to really build something? And what would you say was, we had a quick sentence, what was the most important value to you? What was the deal breaker that your life partner had to have? If you were, if for the people listening, what is something you think universally people should look for in a life partner? Kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kindness. And I in a way, that. as time has gone on, I really get that. Because I, I met my partner when I was 20, that, that Austin is an angel sent from God to me. Mm. truly. And I feel like that some people win the lottery, right? Some people in the world, in terms of relationships, I won the lottery in that this got, God sent me an angel. Like I was going through a really difficult time at that age. And Mm. I was so clear on what I wanted in a person though, that I was able to be a vibrational match for that. But I look back on my 20 year old self and I'm like, damn, he was out of my league. But I was, (laughs) but I would, I like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And I think you're so I love, cute. But I love what you said, Madison, that you felt like you won the lottery. And it's so funny because I say that to Ryan all the time. We won the lottery. And I do that really taps into the self-worth conversation. I believe that it is possible when you go in with strong values, that is possible for people in marriage to really feel that way. Definitely. Long term. And I would say the biggest thing for me is a growth mindset and someone willing to grow. I want to make favorite, the holistic therapist, I follow her on Instagram. She posted this post and she said, do not get married for love. Get married for someone who's willing to do the hard work and be a mirror and reflect the hard truths back to you and vice versa. Then you can grow together. Ryan's tapping my hand. He wants to say something. To extrapolate upon that from a male perspective, the core value that I saw in Lindsay was this willingness to do everything necessary to make it work. I've dated. I'm, I got married when I was 
46. And the common denominator that I kept running into, and this is for both men and women, is that that really just failed all of my relationships from my perspective, and granted is mine, was seeing a partner that was just stuck in, I am who I am, accept me or leave me. You like it or you don't. Love me at my love me at my best and my worst and take it all or get the fuck out. That mentality just does not work for building a a marriage. It just doesn't work. And so if you've got somebody who's just love me or leave me, leave them. And that's what I that's what I really got. Like when I took me a while to figure that out. But when I met Lindsay, she was similar values, all that stuff. But she was willing always to question everything, including herself and how she interfaced with the world all over Mm -hmm. again, every time. And that's what I'm speaking to with growth mindset is the humility to question how you've been doing things, what your priorities are, do they work in a relationship? And then the next day, choose the relationship again, and also be totally willing to be humble in front of yourself all over again. Well, let me ask you this. I love that we have a male perspective right now for the people listening who are looking to call in their life partner, and especially female identifying humans, what are the qualities that men are looking for in a life partnership in a woman? Let's, we're going to make this very heteronormative for a moment. To answer that in brief, I would say, first of all, the values, that's unique to every person. What are they aligned with in terms of kids, not kids, future finances, all that stuff. There has to be value alignment and there has to be you know, that political, psychological and spiritual alignment as well. So that's just value systems are a must. And then the next thing is, um, honestly, it's righteousness. If the, if the person's righteous and if they're stuck in their ways and that's just the way that it is, then men typically, at least my friends and I, will, will run for the hills because it just means that there's no flexibility in creation together. And it's so value system alignment and then the being able to ask the big questions and be humble in front of yourself and be vulnerable and do it all together and willingness to grow. And that's what Lindsay was talking about, growth mindset, willingness to be humble and grow. That's the primary stuff. Yeah. And then in terms of selecting mate, this is open for everybody. What are some of the red flags that you stayed away from or you think people should stay away from if they're looking to create Yeah, I think Doja Cat said it really good in one of her songs. She was like, um, uh, go pay your fucking rent. I'm not your fucking mom. Oh, yeah. Like, then I said earlier, like having your shit together, like this is, we, we have like innuendos in language and over time we get desensitized to these like euphemisms and and whatnot. So I just want to say that having your shit together is one of those overlooked things. And we're in a whole culture where people want to save each other. Toxic, like Mm. that toxic energy of, oh, I could save them. Some people really- I can change them. Oh, I can Mm -hmm. change them. That (laughs) is like being addicted to cocaine, okay? If you are trying to save a motherfucker, you are going to get hurt, okay? We are oh, like, man. that is not our purpose in relationships. That's actually toxic behavior. Or I can mm. love them enough that they'll heal. It is mm. not your job to heal someone. A relationship needs to be able to have space for creation conversations. If two people or one person relationship is constantly in survival, struggling financially or always ill, it's literally an energy suck from the creation 
element within and that can suck romance like out like a door. And I do have to say when my self-worth wasn't what it was today, I was very attracted to wounded birds. I had a whole mm. slew of them. I, I totally loved them enough that I could, I would be their savior. My arousal was connected to saving people. I think that it's just really important to recognize what is, what else would be like someone having their shit together to you? Mm -hmm. Like not just like financially, but maybe health, like someone who can take care of themselves. So red flags that I would watch out for is watch how they are around their family. Mm. Watch, watch how they, how they change. Like people, people change when they're around their family can change. I think anyone does because you're going home. But I think it's really important to pay attention to the nuance. If something and it feels uncomfortable or even unsafe, that you're able to approach your partner to have a conversation. And if you're not able to, consider how they react mm -hmm. as like a pretty mild reaction to what it can behaviors can escalate to. That's really, that's so poignant, Katie. I know that for Ryan and I, we grew up in very different, I would say, communication dynamics in the ways that we grew up. I grew up in a big family. We were loud. We would curse and we would fight. Something yeah. I learned in therapy is what my family taught me was if you stayed in the fight, it meant that you loved that person. You were willing to fight it out with them until right. it was resolved. Whereas, I don't want to speak for you, Ryan, you had a very different dynamic growing up. There was some, at least with my extended family and my mom a bit, there was a lot of passive aggressive in the background, but a lot of most of the communication we had was like calm and logistically oriented, or it was not a fight that needed to get resolved. It was somebody flying off, flying off in an emotional solo journey and, <laughs> and then gathering them back before they came back to a conversation to finish the resolution. So like the concept of staying in a fight was something totally foreign to me. That sounds really healthy. Well, what we're learning Except is- the passive-aggressive. There's, yeah, the passive. So there's well, pros that there yeah. were, what we've discovered- Nobody's perfect. Yeah, we've discovered that there's pros and cons to both. Because totally. the, the shadow side of what Ryan would do would just walk away, would even sometimes leave the house and not tell me when he was coming home. When I was totally emotionally overwhelmed yeah. because the fight that showed up and I wasn't used to it. And then I would right. bounce. But what he didn't understand is, so the type of therapy that we did was um, attachment theory. I'm obviously anxious attachment. He's avoidant. And so for an anxious attachment style, that is like, you feel like you're dying. If that happens to you, somebody just leaves with no, no, no telling you that, Hey, I'm going to go cool off. I'm going to, we're going to, but we're going to work this out in an hour. It's like, that's like the worst thing that can happen. So what we've learned is there's pros and cons to both. And what we've been working on is bridging together the pros of our different communication styles. If he needs time to cool off, I now realize that's a healthy way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And he just has to say, I'm going to cool off for the next hour and then we'll finish our conversation. So we're learning to bridge the gaps and in our different communication styles and I love that. I love therapy. I, I was just going to say, if you're getting married and you've never been in therapy, might want to go be a therapist. I don't know. I feel like yeah. that would be my recommendation before you marry someone. Yeah. And if they don't want another red flag would be if they don't want to go to therapy. Mm, yeah. Because that's an indicator that they're not willing to, like no long-term relationship is going to thrive without it being tended to. Your relationship is a garden that needs tending to. Yeah. It's, it's more than a garden. It's like 
it's not just a garden, okay? It's, it's like an It's like a really huge state-owned garden park, like a park garden with, yeah. that you could get property lost property all in. over the world. Yeah. It's a huge fucking garden. Yeah. Enormous mm-hmm. garden. I love this therapy conversation because it really leads us into the next thing I wanted to talk about. I think that really what we're saying is compromise, trust, and respect. I would say are three really powerful communication, like regular communication. If communication shuts down, all the rest of it goes away. Communication really is lubrication in and out of the bedroom. What Ryan and I have noticed, and when we look at marriages that have been successful for many years, I think it really is the simple things like having meals together, cooking together, holding hands at the grocery store, going to bed at the same time, like creating time for the, it's a million little moments, right? What Lindsay's speaking to in this, which is something I'm very conscious of, is prioritization is crucial. The relationship, the marriage has to be prioritized over everything else. Now, that includes things like career and work focus. But if you're career focused over the relationship, then often people get into like really dysfunctional workaholic states. It has to be the relationship first. And that includes those pillars, but it has to include all of them. And if you are already in a long marriage and you're listening, you're like, shit, I'm doing all these things wrong. Don't, that doesn't mean that a marriage needs to end. No, there's work that that can be done within the marriage. Yeah, 100%. 100%. If that is you and you want support, DM us the word 10X because we can support you and get on a, a relationship satisfaction call with you. See what's going on in your life and look at some of the struggles and talk about how we could support you in overcoming those relationship struggles so that you can rewrite your love story. Okay, great. So this was, I love this. I feel like this is a two-parter episode. We really talked about leading up to the marriage. And I know that there's a lot we didn't get into this episode about really long-term relationships, keeping intimacy alive. So I think we're gonna have to do a two-parter to this episode. Thank you, Ryan, for being my husband, for everything that we have created together. And in my vows, I said, I will always be kind to your heart. And thank you for being kind to mine as well. And I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed this quick, candid conversation. We can't wait to share more with you in next week's episode. And with that, Clitorati, we're going to see you next Tuesday.